You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Pasikala. What's the scariest thing that you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is a result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. What's good, everybody? It's Memorial Day weekend. What up? Uh, thanks for all the support. We've gotten a lot of cool feedback from people out there. Uh, we always welcome that. So if you have any thoughts on, I don't know, what we're doing, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We know you got them scary stories. Send them in, boys. We know there are people listening right now. Girls. Who have scary stories. <laughs> yeah, send them in. We want to hear them. We want to hear them. We'd also like to share them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if you send them in, know that we have the intent to turn around and share them. Dude, DJ, you just got back from Jackson Hole, Wyoming? Yeah, yeah. Jackson's Hole? How was it? Jackson's Hole was always nice. Uh, nah, it was real beautiful. Uh, essentially, we were planning a trip to go to somewhere warm. <laughs> we planned Vegas, but then hotel prices spiked up because of Memorial Day weekend. Makes sense. So we decided against that, and we're like, let's go to Jackson Hole. Which is the opposite of warm, <laughs> and there was still like snow. Was it pretty cold there? Nah, actually, like it was chilly. Like I wore a hoodie, mm-hmm. but I wasn't freezing. Uh, we went hiking, and it was raining, and it was really—I uh, love the rain, so it's really nice. But uh, super beautiful, dude. Just a—I kind of want to catch up any listeners out there. So we used to record in a cabin up in the woods, and it's up Provo Canyon. It's, it's really beautiful. And off the main highway, you turn right and you go up this other canyon that gets pretty remote. And that's where Jordan and Sean were living for the entire winter was in this cabin. So that's where we recorded. <laughs> but their lease was up and they moved out. So we had to move to a new place. And Jordan Elmer, actually this time, not a joke, is no longer with us. R.I.P. <laughs> he didn't die. <laughs> he just moved to Montana for the summer. Yeah, he's looking to yeah further his career, so he might start a master's program. We wish him luck. He'll be back around in the future, but in the meantime, uh, Charles, Sean, and I will be running this. Yep. We have a few guests lined up uh, to come through and share some stories. Some of the feedback that we've been getting from you guys is you love when we cover like regional stuff, regional folklore and things like that. So we're really looking for people who have actually gone to certain places and lived there so they can come back and answer all our questions like you know really give us a background history on the people and the culture so we have some good people set up Mm -hmm. so thinking about that i wanted to ask you guys what is the scariest place in the world like country what scares you the most like thinking about going there first thing that comes to mind is papua new guinea because they still practice cannibalism there and the 
Papua New Guinea warriors, like the tribal warriors. Aren't they called mud? Like the mud people, the I think. The mud men or something? Mud men, yeah. Uh, have you seen that? Like the mud men? I've I've seen about it. I, I, I've heard that. Like their their masks. Okay, they just wear a loincloth, mm. and they are covered in like white ash and mud, and they have these helmets made out of clay. It kind of looks like Tommy Pickles from the Rugrats, like a huge head. You know what I mean? Like a huge ball in their head. Yeah, yeah. And no eyes, gaping like a hole for a mouth. Yeah, it's terrifying because they also white. wear like these bamboo slats on their fingers i don't know what they do with it they each of their fingers look like 10 10 inches long yeah yeah it's it's so scary yeah and combining that with their cannibalism practices like papua new guinea is violent i had a friend who's from new zealand and he played professional rugby and they traveled to papua new guinea to play their team there mm-hmm. and he said when they pulled up to the stadium it was like going to like a correctional facility like when they opened the doors to the bus it was like a covered fence like an entrance walkway yeah you know how like (laughs) walking to like a jail so they had to pull into that like enclosure yeah lock the gates and stuff yeah yeah and they're and like people were outside and they were just like they're probably just like angry sports fans (laughs) and hated them because they were from new zealand and New Zealand's good at rugby. <laughs> but uh yeah, he said it was like it felt like like there were cops like guarding them like everywhere they went. Yeah. And he said like he felt scared just being in that country. I lived with a couple of Papua New Guineans and I talked to some dudes who lived there for a couple of years. And everything I've heard about Papua New Guinea is essentially there's like one main town and that's the only town foreigners are allowed to go to. It's like their main port, Port Mosby. Other than that, it's a huge country. You cannot go there if you were not Papua New Guinean because you will be killed. You will be eaten. So they have headhunters there. They shrink heads. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. cannibalism is still a real thing there. I had an answer for the scariest place, but you just changed mine. <laughs> I'll talk about mine, but more on Papua New Guinea. I knew... So I knew a guy who lived there for a while. He was doing like a service trip with this church there. And he's from New Zealand as well. He was super dark complexion, so he was allowed to go there and do that service trip with his church. And he said while in Papua New Guinea, um, walking home from church one day, one of the members pulled up in a van and opened it up and offered them a ride home. They got in the member, like the member of the church, the local congregation, they got in his car and he pulled out a homemade gun and robbed him and his friend. A homemade and, gun. Yeah, and then left them in the jungle. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I actually met this kid in Australia. So he was doing his like service trip with this with the church in Papua New Guinea, but something happened to him, and they had to emergency transfer him to Australia. And he never told me this story, but someone who was really close to him told me what happened. Basically, him... And his friend who were on the surface service trip, when you're in Papua New Guinea, you have to be with a Papua New Guinean at all times. And while they were out, they got kidnapped by a group of men. They took them out into the jungle at gunpoint and they kept them around the fire. And so for like three days, they trekked up into the jungle because they were going to go back to their camp. 
and basically they were going to kill him and like eat them or, you know, try to get them for money. And one night all all the men got drunk and he, he's a huge Tongan kid, right? So all the men are drunk, they're guarding him and their guard, he said he just felt like the guard was down. So he looked at his companion and he's like, we have to fight or we're going to die. And so he gets up and they have guns. And he said he just tackled the nearest Papua New Guinean with a, who was holding a gun but not paying attention and just started smashing him in his face. And his Papua New Guinean ran over and has tried, tried to grab the gun from the guy while they're on the ground, gets the gun, turns and goes, and shoots like three of the other guys. Holy. And by this time, everyone in the camp is all alerted. And so they're like, there's yelling and they just take off running. <laughs> and he said they ran for like three days getting hunted by these guys. <laughs> and he finally got back to the compound. But he said there was like moments in the jungle where they were like 100 feet away running with guns and yelling. And he just had to keep going. <laughs> but he was a rugby player too, so he could run. And he's big. They got him back to the compound. He got back to safety where like the church met. And they um they flew him to Australia. And he had to meet with a therapist every week and talk like, because he, he killed a dude. That's unreal. <laughs> but Papua New Guinea terrifies me. They're so, the culture's so. It just feels different. lawless out there. Did you ever see that clip of the guy who was talking to a Papua New Guinea guerrilla fighter? Mm-mm. So, this badass, like, ex Marine who's now a um, reporter, he got a special interview with a Papua New Guinea guerrilla leader. Whoa. And while he gets there, they decide to rob him. And so a masked Papua New Guinea dude comes out and sticks a gun, a rifle in his face. And they're filming. And he just like bats it away like three times. He's like, you're not going to do this. What are you doing? And bats the gun away a couple times. He's like, the what are ex, you doing? The yeah. ex-Marine dude. You're not going to shoot me. Grabs it, pulls it down and like walks up to the guy. You're not going to shoot me right now. We're not doing this right now. And just like shuts it down, dude. <laughs> but like he, he, how he handled the situation, I don't know how it worked, but like diffused everything. And he just continued the the interview damn but they like wild. i think they respected him because he like straight face looked at him he's like you're not doing this right now and like put the gun down and the guy like kept trying to put the gun in his face and he's like nope we're not doing this right now we're doing an interview <laughs> but it's wild you can look it up it's on youtube at what point does like asserting dominance like when is that smart when is when is it not <laughs> bro this actually reminds me of something had you ever as a kid see the movie the big green heck yeah yeah so I always remember as a kid, like the goalie is like in the goal and all of a sudden the, the opposite teams turned into something like, like pirates, like pirates <laughs> yes, or like yes. knights or something. And then one of his friends, like, well, first of all, he like freaks out. This is time. a kid with like, he's a ginger with the curly hair and like hell of freckles. Yeah. 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 He's, he's also almost in the sand because of his freckles. I'm happy because this is like the first time you're talking about a movie in the podcast and I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. Okay. Sorry. Carry on. Okay. So then he like freaks out whenever he sees the other team turn into like monsters and they score on him. Hmm. So one of his friends comes over, he gives him these magic glasses and he tells him when they turn into the nightmare, just become the nightmare. Ooh. And so that's like what reminds me of like asserting dominance. And that's kind of <clears throat> maybe in my own effed up way. Like I don't get scared because I'm like, I'll just, I don't care, dude. I'm going to these people up. <laughs> you turn into the nightmare. Just become the nightmare for them too. 
It's kind of true though. Like if you think about my homie who was taken captive, he realized at one point, if I don't turn into the nightmare, if I don't do something, we're dead. You know? So when faced with that, it's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense to me. That's how I live my life now. Yeah. I'm good at never going to Papua New Guinea my entire life. Yeah, me too. (laughs) What about you guys? Scariest place. I was going to say, okay, so Papua New Guinea straight up changed my mind. That's my new answer. But I was going to say India for some reason. And I think, I think I know why I think I know the origins of this, but I've had like India has always been so different to me than in my culture. So it just seems so mysterious and like there's dark old ways there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I think that honestly stems from uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> that was like my favorite movie when I was little. And that Kali Ma heart, that scared Dude, that me. Kali <laughs> Ma. Well, that one documentary, uh, Tales by Light on Netflix, about oh, photographers. Yeah. Solid. Yeah, when they're in India, like it's normal to them. It's That's their culture. Yeah. But to us, it's just so foreign. Mm-hmm. I mean, which makes sense. But it's like that one where they wash and burn dead bodies in the river and people are like Same showering they, in it. Yeah, like that's so scary it. to me. Yeah. Are you done with India? Yeah. It, it, do you know what I mean though? Like there's just such dark, deep, like black magic in my mind there. Yeah. And I think it is because of Temple of Doom, but yeah, that's all I have to say on that. I don't know if it's, it probably changed. I have no idea, but uh Columbia depends on where you go i just i know a couple of girls who were just in colombia yeah. medellin that but used like, to be that and like bogota used to be i mean those are the big cities right yeah, yeah. so just like thinking about the cartel mm. and they were all ruthless i mean that was more in the 80s but i just think of like how they tortured people i think i i think about like the colombian necktie oh, for those of you out there like colombian necktie they would like slit your neck and then pull your tongue out of your neck to hang out and look, make it look like a, like a necktie. And that was one thing. Good. That's wild. That's extra, bro. That's so crazy. What a <laughs> statement. Once again, if you're going to give me a Columbia necktie, just tell me that and I'll give you I'll whatever you want. I'll give you, you whatever want. you, you want. Do yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do all that. You don't need to set an example. <laughs> yeah. Bro, just I'll tell, tell everyone. Yeah. I'll tell everyone you did. I'm good at Photoshop. I'll make it look like you did. And then I'll disappear. Yeah, let me go. <laughs> I'll run away. Uh, I definitely think that both of, like, all of those places are sketched. The one that came to my mind, though, was Russia. Because, like, because, <laughs> like, it's lawless in a different way, dude. Like, mm. there's the, the, uh, I don't know, the, the image or the facade of law that exists there, but really, like, they can do whatever the fuck they want. It's yeah. lawless all the way to the top. Yeah. Like, all of them are corrupt. Yeah. You hear about people, like, whistleblowing or trying to expose putin for something and they just disappear oh yeah. you never hear of them again oh yeah it's like organized lawlessness yeah and just a toughness that comes from That's cold true. winters and and a, a lot of vodka intake and <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy no my for sh- mine for sure now is uh Papua new guinea <laughs> i kind of agree with that as well just because like i would still travel to russia yeah, that's the thing. I don't know if I would travel to Papua New Guinea. There's nothing to see in Papua New Guinea. Except it's beautiful. Yeah, but it's Southeast Asia-ish, Melanesia, whatever. Dude, you can I, see that in Tonga, Samoa, Bali. There's a lot of places you can see something similar without the danger of being uh, killed. <laughs> Headhunted. Yeah. And this might be going too far, but have y'all ever heard of the Seaman Warriors? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's in Papua New Guinea. So what they think is real and is good, the Seaman Warriors is a tribe of people in Papua New Guinea, and they believe to make a strong, yes, yes. good fighter is to pump little boys full of as much semen as they can intake mm-hmm. through their butt, mouth, or everything. So they take little boys and just make them, you know, do things to procure semen <laughs> as much as physically possible. That's terrible. Dude. Yeah. And they think that makes them grow old and strong and become good fighters. So anywhere where that's going on, I'm not sure I want to like be around frequent. That. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not trying to <laughs> vacation there. <laughs> but if that's your thing, go for it. Yeah, Do it for the gram though. <laughs> you know people are out there going... <laughs> Trying to do that for yeah. the gram. All y'all travelers out there on Instagram, pretend yeah. like you're traveling. Yeah, you really want to travel. PNG. You want to experience. <laughs> yeah. You want a real experience. Not all those who wander are lost. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. Catch you at that semen warrior camp. For that one, I'm actually not must stay in bed. <laughs> all right, let's roll. Let's see who goes first. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. Big and small, when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light. Lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing... If that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh, And it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, Go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am. And you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 3am. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. So DJ rolled an eight. Dog, that's a six. You need some glasses, bro. <laughs> Charlie gets a 20. I rolled a one. <laughs> awesome. All right. So last time we were, last time we did our stories, I kind of gave you all a clue. And that clue was, sa passe. Na boule. Yeah. <laughs> and that means, what's up? Or how you doing in Haitian Creole? Uh, so this week I have some stories that are coming out, coming to us out of the island of Haiti in the Dominican Republic. So Haiti has, yeah, Haiti's super rich, culturally rich place. Um, a lot going on. It's pretty tumultuous. And my family actually, we have kind of a background history with Haiti. Um, so Haiti is an island in the Caribbean and it shares it's like one island split in half. So on one side is Haiti and on the other side is the Dominican Republic. 
And if any of you know anything about Haiti, Haiti is the birthplace of voodoo. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, so do you want to talk a little bit about like background of voodoo? I mean, I just looked up a lot of information on voodoo. There's there's obviously the Haitian version of voodoo, but also there's the New Orleans uh, version of voodoo. Okay. There's hoodoo. And obviously that, that all comes, obviously, I don't know if this is very obvious, but <laughs> this comes from Western Africa. That's okay. kind of where it originated and and voodoo became this mixture of religions, essentially. Okay. So it started in Western Africa. That's where it originated. And then uh, my understanding is it like started in Africa, came to Haiti and like really popped off. Yeah. So in Western Africa, it's not necessarily voodoo. Mm. It was stuff like juju okay. and, and stuff in Western Africa that were other religions. So they, they kind of like mixed it all up in Haiti. Yeah. It all became one thing. So what is like the point of voodoo then in, in Haiti? And is it like inherently evil? Voodoo or is, is there not. like a good side to it? Voodoo itself is not. It's a religion. It's a protected religion in Haiti. Hmm. It's uh, and this can be said for any type of religion or group of people or any anything. Is there will be good people, there will be bad people, True. and the bad people are usually those who stand out. Yeah, and that's so kind of where the voodoo. Uh, kind of gets that negative connotation. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it's like any group has its extremists, right? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So yeah, but in and of itself, it's not bad. It's kind of like your relationship with with the uh, deities and like beings that are unseen in this world. Mm-hmm. And the fear of voodoo itself didn't even begin with voodoo in Haiti. Mm. It kind of began around the uh, 1800s when the Haitians won their revolution. So they probably demonized it when they won their revolution to kind of like suppress them. Yeah. To kind of say, this is why they won. Okay. And then on top of that, you got places like Hollywood that started making movies about how voodoo is evil. And voodoo has all of these things about it that accentuated that. Hmm. So yeah, like with everything, there is the good and bad. And, uh, I guess today we're going to talk a little bit about the bad, <laughs> but, uh, okay. So like my family's background with Haiti is in a, in like 2004, my dad, um, worked to put together a nonprofit organization and him and my aunt got together and put this plan together. Basically they were going to go down to Haiti and they were going to help orphanages take care of, um, orphan children. And my dad funded, funded this thing. So my dad asked my aunt and my aunt took her two daughters and they went down to Haiti. And at first they were just, so a little bit about Haiti, Haiti's super known for voodoo and it's also super known for its homelessness in children. So the culture there is people like just abandon their kids left and right. And Haiti is constantly in a state of turmoil, um, political turmoil. And so you'll go into neighborhoods and there will be like 30 homeless kids from the ages of like zero to 11. And they'll just be bands of kids like protecting each other and and stuff. So this might be jumping the gun a little, but just to express how prevalent abandoning your kids was one of my now cousins, when he was like four, his mom didn't want him anymore. She couldn't support two kids. So she put him in a car when he was sleeping, drove him, like,
30 miles to the nearest big city and left him on the street and went home. Holy cow. So he spent the next week trying to be alive and get home. And he finally gets home. And when he walks in the door, his older sister was like, you can't be here. Mom doesn't want you. And he's like, he's bawling because he's a kid. He's a child. And he's like, I just want to come home. I just want to come home. And she's like, you can't be here. And mom comes home. So he hides under the bed. And mom comes home and finds out he had come home. So she goes and like beats the hell out of him and then puts him in the car, drives him further, drops him off. And he never went back. And that's like, that's normal. Cause it's like, yeah, like here that happens in the States, but it's very like under the radar underground. Like you don't like, it doesn't happen obviously as much. Yeah. That's, that's, but like there it's like, yeah, like it's every day. Every single one of my cousins from Haiti has a story like that. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's prevalent. So my aunt gets down there and they meet a guy named Michael. And Michael's working with another nonprofit organization from America, like a Christian, American Christian organization or something. And so he's being funded by U.S. dollars. And he has opened up an orphanage and he has all these groups. He has this huge group of kids at his orphanage. And so my aunt meets him. He kind of shows them, shows my aunt the ropes and like, this is what you do. This is how you take care of people, right? So like I said, the original plan was they were just going to go work in the orphanages And it was working with kids ranging from newborns to 10 to 11 because if you're older than that, you get sold into like sex slavery or you get sold as like a, like a, like a high end maid to like richer people. Hmm. And so my dad sent my aunt down to Port-au-Prince down in Haiti. They meet Michael. Michael starts showing him the ropes, right? And they're like working with Michael. They're helping out in the orphanages. And then one day, a group of about 10 of the boys They come and they meet. My dad bought this home down in Haiti. Mm -hmm. And so 10 of the boys from Michael's like orphanage come to my aunt and my cousins. And they're like, we need to talk. We need to tell you the truth about Michael. And they're like, what's what's going on? And they're like, "He's he's a bad man. And basically, Michael had been molesting or raping every single orphan in the entire orphanage. And this is being funded by, by the U.S. The U.S. have no idea they're funding this rapist down there. Oh. So he's getting all these kids off the street, and he's, like, taking advantage of all of them. Every single one of them. It's <clears throat> disgusting. Yeah. And so the second my aunt hears that, she said, nope. Get everyone in that orphanage, and you are all coming to live in this home. So they that started, like, a war with this guy. So uh, most of their efforts was like trying to protect all these street boys from Michael. And so from that day, they all moved into my aunt's house. But that's just kind of like set. That's what it was like down there. Yeah. And there's a ton of civil unrest. You can't go outside when it's election day because everyone's rioting. That's so infuriating. And it's infuriating as well because it's like, you can't, what do you do? Mm -hmm. You can't do anything about it. Just like let it happen. It's like Mm -hmm. I feel guilty at Mm -hmm. the same time. This sucks. So my aunt was there for a really long time, like years. She was there for years, came back to the States for a while, went back for a couple more years. And she eventually had to leave because it got so bad that like, if you were not Haitian, they would kill you. This is going on. They're doing a lot of good work with the orphanages, my my aunt. Mm -hmm. And my aunt had several run-ins with voodoo. And just by living there and being immersed in the culture, she's learning the language 
and and just traditions from years of living there she hears all these stories and she was so i called her on the phone and the way she talked about it people there believe it a hundred percent and it's just as prevalent or i mean it's it's so entrenched there that it's on the news like a lot of the news stories in haiti she said she remembered one time watching the news and the whole story was about how all these like um these voodoo instances and they're talking about it like it's fact right Mm -hmm. or when she would go to church the bishop was like he would blame things on voodoo (laughs) so uh i'll tell my sister's experience so my sister is getting ready to go down to haiti and before she goes down one of her friends is like hey have you ever seen that movie about like voodoo in haiti she's like what what movie are you talking about and it's called It's called Serpent in the Rainbow, and it's a Wes Craven movie from 1988. <laughs> it's like a documentary or a movie? No, it's a movie. Okay. It's like scripted, but it's you know based off true events. Okay. Dude, Wes Craven is the same guy who does like Scream. Scream. Yeah. He does The Nightmare on Elm Street. Like he's got a lot of yeah, like, he's scary a classic movies. horror director. Yeah, I like his style too. Yeah. So. Basically, the story of Wes Craven's um, Serpent in the Rainbow, and I've seen a little bit of it, and it creeped me out before I knew anything about Haiti, right? And uh, it's about like these voodoo priests who, what they can do is they put a spell on you, and you appear dead, 100% dead. No pulse, no sign of life. You could burn your arm, and you wouldn't react. That's some David Blaine right there. For sure. Okay, Sean just looked up... The like promotional poster for Wes Craven's The Serpent and the Rainbow. There's like this, we'll put it up on the gram, but there's like this kid with a white face and like a red cross stained on his head. And I'm not trying to, oh my, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, but basically, they like they have the power to do that to you, so you'd appear dead and they'd bury, bury you and you'd die in the grave. What? Mm-hmm. Like, so what just do. like Expelliarmus. <laughs> or stupefy yep or both yep into one spell mm-hmm. and then that's not what kills you <laughs> what kills, kills you is they bury you alive yeah and then so yeah the big dead comes so they showed they showed britney this like you know days before she flies down to Dicks. haiti and she's like she's like getting on the plane like uh <laughs> like thanks dudes <laughs> i would i would if they buried me alive oh, i can't move i was gonna say i would like cross my arms and just like stick out both of my middle fingers so that when they found my body i would exit my bowels like my, my last <laughs> my last message to them <laughs> Anyway, so needless to say, she's like, uh, sick, I'm flying down to this <laughs> island. <laughs> Dope. Can I, can I not go anymore? <laughs> yeah. So, but she gets there. She loves the work. She's like immediately, you know, just her heart melts. Because mm. she sees, you know, she gets to see how people's real life is when yeah. you don't grow up in a place like America, you know. And uh, so she's, she's into it. She, a couple months into it, she loves the culture. She loves the people. And she loves working in orphanages. And one day, her and a huge group of the boys, and they're trying to get to this place in the city. And um, so she's she's like at the back of the group, and they're walking through all these markets. Mm-hmm. And she starts seeing all the stuff that looks really cool. So she's like staying behind and just checking stuff out. And without realizing it, she beget, she becomes completely separate from the markets. So she's alone in the markets. And she looks down this one aisle of like tents and stands. And at the end, she sees this one stand that like catches her attention. And it's like in the back of this little uh 
aisle. That's cinematic, bro. So she goes back there to this one tent. She says she walks up. There's all these shells hanging, turtle shells. And on the table, there are 100% authentic, real-life voodoo dolls. Whoa. She says she picks these up, these voodoo dolls, and they come with pins already in them. Nah, bro. And they have real human hair that's sewn into their head, their armpits, and their like genital area. They sew in real human hair. And she's like picking one up and she's looking at it. And she's like, what the heck? And she sets it down. All of a sudden, she feels someone grab her arm from behind and yank her. And she turns around and it's one of my cousins, mm-hmm. one of the Haitian boys. Yeah, yeah. And she sees his face. His eyes are wide. And he's like, run. And he just pulls her and they start sprinting away. And they run, run, run. And he flags down a taxi or a tap tap. That's what they call him. And he like throws her in, jumps in with her, and they take off. And so she's like, Where's the rest of the group? They had walked. They had walked, like kept walking. They're just gone. Yeah. So he had, what happened was, she's like talking to him. She's dazed and like, like what's going on? Overheated. It's super hot. She just sprinted with her life Mm. and gets in it. And he's, yeah, she's like, What's going on? And he's like, I noticed you had left the group and I went back to look for you. And he said what he saw while she was holding the voodoo doll was he saw a voodoo priest. And he knows what a voodoo priest is because when he was a baby, his grandparents would take him to voodoo rituals and they would use him in voodoo rituals, like sexually. So he just grew up with all that. and So he knows. Yeah. He said he saw a voodoo priest come out from behind the stand and standing behind my sister, Brittany. And he was chanting. And he had these turtle shell like shaker thing that he was shaking and his eyes were like rolling back and he was like chanting under his breath, putting a spell on her. Hell no. So he ran up and grabbed her and like got her out of there. And so she's like, if it wasn't for him, you know, she could have been rainbow serpented, stuck in the ground. Whatever, dude, it's too (laughs) late. He got, he slipped on through real quick. She said she was like terrified. Did anything else happen as a result of that experience or was that the like the one thing not yeah did she notice anything crazy no she she said that was like the most crazy thing there was always just like weird things happening weird noises in the night because in haiti there's no there's no street lights Hmm. at night when it's night it's dark and if you don't know haitians haitians are dark you know what i mean so it's like when the night goes down weird things would happen all the time Mm mm-hmm so just to wrap up a little bit of like Brittany's experience and my sister's experience, eventually what they did was they went to the U.S. Embassy to try to like report Michael and try to get help shutting him down because he's out there like molesting children mm. and he's funded by the U.S. Um, but because it's basically the wild freaking West down there, mm-hmm. they didn't get a lot of uh, they didn't get a lot of support. Mm-hmm. But a couple years later, during one of their political So a couple years later, he actually got thrown into prison. Michael did. Yeah. Michael was thrown into prison in Haiti. And so he went to jail for a while. But during like a weird revolt, and this is before the Haitian earthquake, Mm -hmm. he escaped prison. And so they have no idea where he is. So he's still down there possibly. Wow. Yeah. But anyway. So So your sister had that. How long was your sister in Haiti? Not too long. I think like six months. months. Yeah. Okay. And then your aunt, how long was her whole operation? So 
the, I can't remember precisely, but I'm going to say somewhere around eight years. A few years? Oh, eight years? Yeah, oh. like a long ass time. Okay. So my aunt, yeah, obviously she's there forever. So she had bought this house, or my dad bought this house and like funded this operation. She's living in this home and she brings in all these boys. She's trying to save from Michael. Mm-hmm. And two of my two of my now cousins. Okay, wait, sorry, real quick. While she was doing this, did Michael know what she was trying to do? It was a full-on war. Like he would, yeah. yeah what, it was like, dangerous. They had to do things secretly. They had to hide. They had to like watch out for Michael. And like some of the boys in Michael's side were loyal to Michael. So she couldn't get enough evidence from those things to like get the support to take him off of his whatever. I think it was just like how they explained it is they tried to get a case together against him. They went to the U S embassy, tried everything they could and they couldn't get him shut down. Cause it was just like, you know, the government there is, they don't, they can barely feed or keep the infrastructure together. So they don't care about this one American who mm-hmm. might be taking advantage of some street kids. Cause they don't care about street kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. It, it, it was intense. I remember I was actually supposed to go down there and visit. And when I turned 16, but by the time I, got old enough it was like too dangerous for anyone to travel in mm-hmm. so i i didn't but i almost went but uh so my aunt is like dealing with all this and two of my haitian cousins their background is in voodoo so like i said one of them the grandparents really into voodoo and their daughter had a son but their daughter was not into voodoo so without her permission they would take the baby and they would take him to um, voodoo rituals and they would like perform sexual things on him in voodoo rituals. So there is good to voodoo and it started as a religion. But there's a lot of bad in voodoo too. And, and it might have a different name than voodoo or like hoodoo, but things are happening where people are, you know, doing bad rituals. So that was his background. Another one of them, when he was young, his, his, his grandparents got him, to start playing drums for a voodoo priest. And the mom didn't like that. And when she found out, she took his hands and put them on the stove and burnt them so bad that he couldn't play drums anymore. Cause she was like, I'm not having that. Uh, I mean, I feel like maybe talking to him would be a better, like first option than straight to the stove. I know. It's just like such a different culture there. Like, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's just so sad. (laughs) I'm playing drums again. (laughs) So my aunt is actually convinced the house that they bought was right up against a voodoo house, like in the backyard. Mm -hmm. And so one night she said she's, she's like sleeping super hot at night and she can hear drumming. She can hear people in this yard and then it goes quiet. Right. So she's like, okay. 20 minutes later, the backyard is like this long grass area, right? And her her bed, the window right behind her, it's like right behind the window is that yard. And all of a sudden, she could hear like four dogs barking, like like they're trying to kill something. Like super aggressive, right? Just and it's 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 at one end of the yard, and she said as all of a sudden, super abrupt, silent. And so she's laying there in bed. She heard that, heard that. And then at the opposite end of the yard, it goes, 
The dogs start barking. Mid bark, silence. And so she was, a couple more times it happened. And she's just in this dark house, no street lights, dark. And she could see out the window. And she said, all of a sudden, a pillar of fire goes up into the air, 30 feet, and it's like green. And then, whoosh, gone. And so she was like that. She knew voodoo was going on around him. One time, she's sleeping in her bed. And across the room, my cousin's in her bed. And all of a sudden, my cousin goes, <gasps> and sits straight up in her bed. And my aunt looks over, and then all of a sudden, <gasps> sits up in her bed. Because she felt what she describes as like a boa constrictor slither under the middle of her back. Hmm. And she looks over at her cousin who's looking at her and sat straight up and is like, did you just feel that? And she's like, yeah. And my aunt, super logical and science. So as I'm telling her, asking her about this, she was like, later I just decided that was a rolling earthquake. And I, and I was like, located in the middle of your bed? Like, what? How does that work? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> And she was like, yeah, it must have just been an earthquake. And I was like, dude, I've n- I don't know. And this is after that green pillar of fire. How she did she, she explain that? Minas Morgul shiz going on. It's like, <laughs> well, she said like they like during the voodoo like rituals, they would do weird things with fire. Okay, so that was voodoo. The other was an earthquake. That, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Bro, if I lived in Haiti, I would do voodoo too. There ain't nothing else. Ain't you nothing can't else beat to do. Join them, dog. <laughs> yeah. Where do I sign up? <laughs> so orientation starts when? When do I get my drum and my? Gotta get your merit badges first. Shell. Your bow constrictor merit badge. Your yeah, fire so, tower merit badge. But she did tell me she felt like she was targeted. Like she felt like they were targeting her, right? And uh, something that everyone in Haiti is terrified of is this thing called a Lugaru. L-U-G-A-R-O-O. A Lugaru. And what a Lugaru is, is an evil witch. And everyone is terrified of Lugarus. And they all have Lugaru stories. So sometimes it would get way too hot in the house for my aunt. And she's like, let's sleep on the on the, they had like a, a deck in the backyard. Mm. So they'd sleep out there with some of the, the babies because mm-hmm. it was an orphanage. And all the older boys were so upset every time because they were convinced 100% that a Luguru was going to come and steal the babies. Because that's what Lugurus do. They target babies and children and they take them away and they do you know voodoo rituals to them. So the boys were like near tears trying to convince my aunt, like, don't take these babies out there. They're going to get snatched by Lugarus. She's like, it's fine. Like She didn't believe in Lugarus at all. <laughs> and that was actually one of the things. So they're sitting in church and one of the local, uh, the local women in the church congregation had lost a baby. And the bishop, like the head of the church got up on the stand and was like, Oh, we're so sorry for the loss of so and so's child. It must have been a Lugaru who took her. <laughs> and they were, they were like, and, and she pulled him aside. Everyone else was like, "Yeah." And everyone in the congregation was Not like, "Yeah, it must be." And they're all terrified. And my aunt's like, took him aside later and was like, "Uh, Lugarus are not real." <laughs> like, and so they believe in Lugaru so much. It's 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 akin to like the Salem witch trials. 
So during my aunt's stay in Haiti, she met a Catholic priest. And by the time she met him, he had left the monastery. So he went to Haiti and was at a Catholic monastery down in Haiti. And he left the church because of a lot of the things he saw down there. And he kept a journal of all of his experiences. And he gave that journal to my aunt. Why? Just because he trusted her? I don't know. And she says, I don't know why he gave me this thing. But for some reason, the time that they met, the conversations they had, he like, I want to give this to you. And gave her this freaking book of his like weird encounters with voodoo and stuff down in Haiti. Like the reason he left his faith, he gave it to my aunt. And she's like, I'm talking to her so casually. She's like, I mean, I think I have it somewhere. I'll look for it. And I was like, yeah, if you find that, let me know. (laughs) Send that over. But my other aunt went down there and started um, translating this little journal. Mm -hmm. And she said she only got through one story. And that basically was he had gone out to this village way out in the middle of nowhere. And this woman had two kids. And somehow, and and like I, I kind of mentioned before, this is kind of akin to like the Salem witch trials, but somehow this woman gets accused of being a Lugaroo and everyone in the village turns on her. She has two small kids and they go to her house at night and they light it on fire and they chase her out of town, her and her kids, just because someone said she might be a Lugaroo. Mm-hmm. So they're like serious about it. So Lugarus are, like I said, witches, and they can shapeshift. I'm sorry. So the, the most common thing they change into is cats, and then they steal babies. Bro, that sounds like the freaking Scooby-Doo monster zombie island, bro. <laughs> True. Just straight up cats <laughs> turn people to zombies. Dude, and that's in the South, so they probably like took a bit of it. It's probably something related. Dang. Did you have any more? I know you... Okay, yeah, I, I know do. you have more. Yeah. Are you going to continue? Um... I'll just kind of wrap up my aunts and then I'll share one more after you. So my aunt was down there forever, went through a huge ordeal and my dad, you know, helped her throughout the whole thing. What ended up happening was she adopted nine Haitian boys. And when they got to the U S they lived in my home for about a year. So I lived with these boys, these Haitian boys. Mm -hmm. Um, And they went to my high school for a while. And it was just crazy. Like, I'm, I'm thankful for it because I was young and I, at a very young age, like saw how different life can be. And there's no reason why I wasn't born in Haiti and they weren't born here. You know what I mean? So it was interesting. Yeah, I have a lot of stories. Like one time they're in high school and someone made them mad. So they went home and got a machete and tried to come back and take care of them. <laughs> and my aunt was like, no, 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 no. Like, this ain't Haiti. <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> that's wild actually one of the girls who came to jackson hole this past weekend uh she was telling me a bunch of her stories and i love that i love when you find someone and it's like you don't know that they're into that and then like once once you like break the ice and all of a sudden it's just like bang 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 you're trading stories that's my favorite it's interesting how scary stories is something that people can connect on real quickly Mm mm-hmm you know, like you have to get to know someone f- first before you can talk about religion or yeah politics. But scary stories transcend all that. Yeah, it's weird. But uh, yeah, she shared a bunch of uh, her stories with me. And uh, was this like in the ride up to Jackson Hole? 
Yeah. Dude, I love or in the cabin while you were staying. I told them, I was like, should we save this for when we're in the cabin? Uh-huh. And they were all like, no, let's tell it now while it's daytime, <laughs> which is fun. I love road trip story time, though. Yeah, dude. She just shared about uh, how, this is about a year or two ago, but she took a work trip uh, with some of her coworkers up to Tennessee. And they stayed at an Airbnb. And while they were there, she was in the living room. There's a bookshelf. She just grabs a random book. She takes it out. And it's like a children's book. As she opens it, a piece of paper falls out. Dude. Oh, <laughs> From the back cover. She picks it up and it's a kid's handwriting. And all it says is, this place is haunted. Get out. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so that was the first thing. Like, that was the first book that she pulled out. And that paper just just fell out um even if that was a plant like a funny joke maybe by the owner of the house it's like you can't orchestrate her picking that book first also how did they uh, why did she assume it was a child's handwriting like was in crayon or something i didn't ask her if it was a crayon or pen but okay i'm sure there was a reason though if she said it has to be yeah yeah so that was the first creepy thing that happened uh so that kind of just set them off for their whole time there Mm mm-hmm the next night, she was washing dishes after dinner, and the way the house was situated, on the other side of the kitchen and the sink was the bedroom, so there's nothing in between, but as she is washing dishes, she heard something in the walls. She's like, what is that? So she turns off the sink. And she tells all of her coworkers to be quiet and listen. And as they listen closer, they can hear a, like a, she describes it as scratching. They're like, that's really weird. Especially since there's nothing in between the kitchen and the bedroom. Um, It happens again later that night, but it's louder. And then she hears hissing and meowing. And not only is it in between the kitchen and the bedroom, but it's in the walls all around them. Like just scratching on the walls and like hissing, like, like, like a cat. And they, they stayed in the house, but that's all she could describe. It just reminded me of that when, was she the only one that had experiences in the house or was there any of the other people that were with her? No, they, they all heard it. Oh, yeah. She wasn't the only one, but it just reminded me of, uh, the dogs. No, the dude with the turtle shell, uh, <laughs> like behind your sister, with the like casting a spell on her. Yeah. Now you said they're in Tennessee, like yeah, like Great Smoky Mountains, Tennessee. I have no idea. Or, it was just in an Airbnb. That's all she told me. There's some spooky places out there. So, mm-hmm. isn't there like an insane underground cave system over there? Oh yeah, like you have mammoth caves out there. You have tons of cave systems out there that people go to. Um, yeah. Have you ever been in any of them out there? Yeah, I've been to Mammoth Caves. It's huge. Like, they'll take you on a tour. and What was it like? It was surreal. Like, you're like, this is a different planet that I'm on right now. And at one point, they're like, hey, we're going to turn off all the lights. They turn off all the lights, and I'm like, holding my pockets just in case someone tries to steal something. Because it's that pitch black? You can't see anything. Nothing. And do they take you just, like, to an entrance in the ground? Or how'd you get in? Like, what was it like? There's an entrance in the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
but like there's that kind of stuff that goes on out there mm-hmm. and especially the great smoky mountains just spooky like, like eerie eerie like not only is the ambiance with the smoky mountains there like civil war happening around there you know there's hella ghosts just floating around you know actually i kind of have a story <laughs> shoot okay so this isn't mine this is one of our good friends and i don't have his explicit permission to tell this so i'm gonna leave his name out but he grew up in vermont and his mom is from england and his dad is from australia and he is he grew up well he moved to vermont but he grew up in australia right and the place that they grew up in vermont super rural and there's a big community so he grew up in vermont in the place where he's at, super rural, and there's a big community of Wiccans out there. I think it's like Amish and like witchcraft mixed, where it's like natural gods and like we 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 believe in nature and things like that. I, I don't know anything about it, but uh, it sounds like the new Midsummer movie coming up, dude. It does. It it, it is like that. Akin I, I, mixture of that and the witch, like mm-hmm. that kind of area and location. I really want to talk to him just to make sure I'm not missing any of the details, but them being there, they had moved into this area where there was all Wiccans and everything I've heard about Wiccans is they're super nice. They love and like, that's what they teach and preach love. Right. But he said when his family moved in, it like really upset their community and they didn't want them there. And so he said things kind of escalated where they made their intentions known that they didn't want them there until they left a note at their house. And in the note, it said like, basically we don't want you here and you will leave or we will be having kangaroo meat. And the guy who read that, like one of the local people, he was like, that means they're going to kill your mom. Because they thought they thought his mom was from Australia, but really she was English. <laughs> but that was a direct threat to the mom saying, we're going to kill you. And they I freak, they had to freaking move. That was like this family moved into a neighborhood. Where was it? It was here in the States. Yeah. They moved was. to a new neighborhood. Um, or like a few days before they moved into the house, they went to go check on a few things. They already signed the paperwork. Um, the house was theirs. There was a letter in the mail for them oh my gosh it was from the watcher and like this story is already being looked at to be picked up and made into a movie by the way this happened two years ago it's very recent. very recent yeah people have been trying to contact the families like can we can we get this story from you the guys and, yeah the rights for it so we can like put into a book or movie or something but yeah it was signed from the watcher and he was just telling them i'm so excited to have you in the neighborhood it's kind of the opposite, like he wanted them there, but he was like a stalker. He was Ugh. like a stalker, and it was the first of many letters, and they referred to the children as like blood bags. Young blood. I think. Young blood or whatever. That the house that they were specifically in was going to like like absorb that energy or something like that. It was, it was yeah, He creepy. was like, my grandfather watched this house and the family Ugh. in it from so it's been 1920. My father started watching it in 1960. And now it's my turn. And with your family moving in, I'm so excited to have you 
when you move in, I will know which room your children are in, which room you are in. I wonder which one it'll be, the basement? If you're in the basement, if the children are in the basement, then you won't be able to hear their screams. If you're in the attic, I can see through the window. Do they confirm it's a dude? It sounds like a guy. They don't actually know who it is. That's the thing. It's unsolved. They've never found out. It's cold case. Yeah. They never found out who it was. Did anyone die? Nobody died. Okay. They ended up after they moved into the house, but they didn't bring their kids for a little while. Like they left their kids with, I don't know, their parents or something. Grandma. Grandma, grandpa. Yeah. Um, But when they finally brought him over. He was like, oh, it looks like they received another letter. It's like, oh, it looks like this child loves to paint. And <laughs> just crazy, dude. Uh, they ended up moving out and selling the house. Yeah, I think. Because it all sounded like it could just be a creepy guy up until he made that like kind of threat. And then I would have been like, okay. <laughs> nope, not doing that. There was one letter he sent to, I can't remember the details around it, but they had just taken the kids out. This was after the letter where he referenced one of the kids liking to paint. And they took the kids and took them out of the house. Oh, yeah. And then he sent a letter that was very aggressive. He started to escalate. Yeah, he started to escalate and like make threats toward them. And yeah, it was was creepy. (laughs) And where'd you guys hear that? It was on this TV show called uh, Unsolved. Dude, shout out Unsolved. Mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. Dude, that's that that is creepy. I'm one. That'd be interesting to see if they like break anything on it. You know, I'm sure there's like Reddit investigators out on the case. There's a whole subreddit dedicated to that. There's one called, or not like solving it, but there's one called Un, Unresolved Mysteries. Uh huh. Or Unsolved Mysteries. And so they try to solve them and stuff. It's a wormhole, dude. Yeah, it's people, crazy what they can do. Uh, there's like a dark side of Reddit too. Um, after the Boston Marathon bomber, uh-huh. oh, everyone thought it was this one person, uh-huh. and they put his name out, and everyone was like, "Get him!" Reddit. He probably, yeah, they probably got like sat or what's that called? terms swatted. Well, they on on the internet they call it a witch hunt. Oh, true. And oh, witch hunting is like a rule in a lot of subreddits. It's like anything. That has to do with witch hunting will be immediately removed so by like, the moderators. Get this guy. Yeah. Everyone go get him. Yeah. And that was like one of the big things that, you know, changed the culture in Reddit too. With that guy that they thought it was, people were sending him threats and all these things. He ended up committing suicide. Oh. And then they found out it wasn't him. And everyone on Reddit was like, damn. That's probably when we got to like step back. Like, and, nah. But there have been times where they have been right, you know? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If you believe in the justice system, innocent until proven guilty right so just chill and wait till the evidence comes and then do your thing <laughs> everyone wants to be a hero and a or a vigilante and mm. doesn't always work out like how it does in the movies mm. surprising <laughs> life's not a movie <laughs> <laughs> what uh but with that thanks for letting me share that heck a long story no nah, dude it was engaging cool no it really was hopefully it like made sense and was coherent <laughs> your oh, was that it from your aunt though uh, that was it for my aunt and I have one more story to do with that, but I'll share another time. Okay. So once again, you guys already know the drill, but we'd love to hear from you. Eventually I'm going to run out of stories. So we're going to need you guys to send in some good ones. We've already gotten some pretty interesting ones. We've shared a lot of personal stories and, uh, next up for us. And we've already kind of started is researching online. 
Mm-hmm. But if we can hear it from actual people who have been there, those have been personally our favorites. Yeah. Uh, if you do have any stories for us, send those over to 3am podcast stories at gmail.com or hit us up in our DMs on 3am.podcast on Insta. No word count. <laughs> That's because somebody just asked us, is there a word count? I was like, no, bro, this ain't high school. It must be at least 800 Double words. Space. Yeah. <laughs> Times New Roman. <laughs> yeah. MLA format. Include like, that uh, that bibliography. Don't like, use is, easybib.com either. We're going to have to restart. Anything yeah. with Wikipedia on it, we're not accepting. <laughs> I see that Comic Sans font. Next. All right. Thanks, y'all. Thanks. See I'm Richard Serrett. Join me on Strange Planet for in-depth conversations with the world's top paranormal investigators, alien abductees, Bigfoot trackers, monster hunters, time travelers, alternative archaeologists, remote viewers, and more. As I was on the way to Area 51, I was stopping on the side of the road and just taking measurements, and I found this one spot where time slowed down by a fraction of a second. It's not supposed to do that. From the two big categories, animal mutilations and human abductions, you have to conclude that genetic material is being harvested. Well, I reached for a rifle and uh, I, I turned and looked and it was, it was already moving away and it was descending the bluff. I, there's no way any human could have went down it. It was probably a 75 degree angle straight down almost. On Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, we're redefining reality. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Do not go any further. Turn around. Go home. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there.